Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 242. Tonight, Matt and Doug get together and talk about ground loops and RF interference. They discuss common sources of grounding problems, strategies for removing ground loops, and RF interference. Enjoy the show. Hey, good evening. Check, check, check. Good evening. Check, one, two, three, four. Hey, you know, we never do the snap anymore. I mean, even when we have guests, we never do the three, two, one, bang. Snaps are... Or so yesterday. <laughs> They're for amateurs. They are. <laughs> They're for people who don't know how to line up audio from the cadence of the conversation. <laughs> it's an acquired skill and we have acquired it. Yeah. Well, two years, you know. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of podcasts under the belt. How many podcasts? How many? I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. It's well, it's about fifty two a year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're coming up on an actual hundred, if not already. Yeah. It may be confusing to some listeners who, who think that we actually have 242 episodes. But, right. But the two actually stands for season two, and this is episode 42. So when you see 242, that's what it actually means. Right. We decided after season one to go with the kind of TV industry standard or whatever streaming standard of have the first number be the uh, the season number rather than the actual cardinal number, the integer. <laughs> How are you, dude? I'm doing pretty good. Oh, you just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, I, I don't think I got so to much. say happy birthday to you in person because I was on the road yesterday in a uh, historic storm. I was waiting for yeah. your your like like rock rendition of happy birthday, <laughs> but it didn't If happen. I was home, I would have, yes. <laughs> We were, we were road tripping. Yeah, we were not. We were, <laughs> we were barbecuing and having sweet, had a football party here and, and just had a really nice day. Yeah. Pretty lucky. Right Wait, who's your team there? Uh, I was watching Green Bay, Green Bay Green Packers Bay. fan. Yep. And then kind of a closet Kansas City fan. Cause I, I think they're awful fun to watch. They are fun to watch. Yeah. I always liked Green Bay. Except with Mahomes on on the injured list, it's not quite as fun now. Oh, he did get hurt. That's right. But hey, wow. You know, speaking of injuries, <laughs> you were you were tracking down some uh, some uh, some audio injuries, some uh, some not so good things in your in your oh yeah audio was, chain. There was some noise that developed, and so I was going through it, and it sucks because it's like really tedious to start isolating things and figure out. Sure. And what I discovered was I had a, a ground loop that was adding noise in. And if, oh. if you don't know what a ground loop is, that's when you have multiple devices and they all share the same ground. And then if they're connected in some way via cables, or you may not ever think about this, but they're all, you know, on hardware stuff, it's screwed onto a metal rack and the case, which is grounded, is then if they're basically connected electronically to one another. And what can happen is one device, and this can happen with amplifiers too, 
like, let's say you have, uh, you're running a stereo amplifier setup and, and you've got like cables coming into like a stereo effects pedal or something like that, that goes out to both amps. Well, mm-hmm. your, your effects pedal is effectively join those two amps electronically and for grounding. Oh. And so what can happen then is one device ends up being the ground and rather than each device using its own ground wire and oh. that's a ground loop. That's when the device doesn't actually use its own ground going into the plug but it begins using the ground of another device that's on the same ground and that can introduce noise. Well, that's really interesting. You would think that if they were all connected to the same ground, it would just go that way. You know what I mean? Is it a path of least resistance thing, do you think? Yeah, it may be. I, I really don't know why it would choose to go one way or another, but I think I think it would stand to reason that it's because it's easier. It's a path of least resistance. It's, it's uh, literally, you know, so maybe right, right. something about that path through the other device is, is just a, a better ground, better connection or something like that. But yeah, there reminds me, I have a, I have a DI box that's, that's made for, for, um, you know, hooking up audio equipment and it's got a ground lift switch. And I guess that's what that's for to, uh, to remove any ground loops and break that hum cycle. Yeah. And I think that actually effectively takes the ground out. And yeah, that's what I always wondered. Yeah. <laughs> is that so safe? <laughs> the thing is, is that ground is really important for safety. And right. so you definitely want to have a ground, but what you can do is work on how things are isolated. So in my situation, it happens to be because my outboard devices are all connected to the same metal rack rail. Mm-hmm. And by isolating those with some insulators where they connect to the rail, I was then able to separate their connection off that rack rail. Oh, I understand now because normally with, um, with, with electronic gear, it's grounded through the three prong plug right through the electrical, but if they're, and so that's how the electronics are grounded. But if it's, if the case is, uh, directly screwed to metal and then it's directly screwed to another electronic piece that's metal. Then there's a second ground, a second path to ground. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it ends okay. up being that, that one sense. of the devices or one of the amplifiers ends up being the ground for all of it. Yeah. And then you that's that ground loop. Now you've, instead of going direct to ground out of each power cable, you're looping through another device ground and that can introduce noise. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and for our UK friends, that's uh, Earth yeah we earth it yeah yeah. you know we we ground it here in the united states in the uk you earth it yeah um (laughs) um, and uh did you i'm just curious uh this is very esoteric but did you find that it was in fact a 60 cycle hum or was it just noise (laughs) for me it was just noise oftentimes it is and i think you hear that more through an amplifier um where you're hearing the 60 cycle come out for me it was kind of a broader spectrum noise I was getting. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a hum and it and it was definitely 60 cycles was definitely included in that noise. I was looking at it on a on a analyzer, an audio analyzer to see what kind of frequency range I was actually dealing with. And yeah, it was actually pretty low 
I can't remember right off the top of my head if I pull it up real quick. It was about, yeah, it's pretty close. Maybe like between 47 and 100. So yeah, it was like right there. Okay. And, but it didn't, it wasn't distinctly like one peak at 60. It was spread out. And, and I kind of had noise all the way down from like 10 hertz, which inaudible, but I could see it up to 120 hertz. There was uh, where it was really dropping off at that point, you know? So, so 60 was pretty much right down the middle of that. So I guess. You could say that. Yeah. I was curious. Yeah. It, it was almost like a hiss, kind of a white noise. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard that in your recording. So then the last thing I want is to introduce noise, you know? Right. <laughs> of course. My understanding of the 60 cycle noise is that that is basically the frequency at which um, uh, United States electrical current oscillates. Yeah. Alternating current goes back and forth and it's an oscillating wave that can introduce itself as a 60 cycle hum. Um, which 60 cycles is 60 hertz. That's what it means. And for our earther friends, that would be 50 for you. Correct. Right. That's what I was going to. Not to be confused with flat earthers. I'm just. <laughs> no, they're just right out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not part of the conversation. So, yeah. Anyway, so I was dealing with that. And then also, it wasn't one of my problems, but I know that you were working on some RF interference noise. Yeah, it, it turned out, yeah, I did remember what it was. It turned out to be something way more straightforward. Uh, um, although it was, it was elusive because I didn't think about it right away. But it was simply that my, um, my multi-channel, my multi-port interface, um, I had been doing some guitar recording and I'd left the guitar lead in and the, uh, the input on and there was no guitar plugged into it. So it's just kind of hanging out. But it was causing some uh, some interference that I couldn't really track down at first. So it's kind of one of those things that uh, if you're if you you know troubleshooting 101, you know, always start with you know what's plugged in, what's turned on, and sometimes and I've had this as well. Uh, I've gotten rid of all of my cheap guitar chords, but you know there is there is a build quality difference, as you know. There's a build quality difference in in cables, and poorly produced cheap cables can introduce. Uh, interference and uh, especially if it's next to other electrical wires or other audio cables and and pick up signal that can crosstalk with other with other wires and introduce hum and static and just kind of noise floor that you know can be hard to track down but it, it may simply just be a, a either an old a cheap or a, a a bad cable in your system somewhere well interesting you know you can isolate things and which by unplugging certain things and leaving other things in the signal chain and, and begin isolating. And that's what I was talking about earlier. And that's right. It's a pain, you know, but start and do it logically from, you know, from the beginning to the end or from the end to the beginning, whichever you want, you know, right. and, and just start breaking things down into individual components or individual signal paths until you can find it. Especially like with amplifiers, we kind of, we kind of grow accustomed to noise from amplifiers, you know, True, and just becomes acceptable. But the thing is, is that if it's something related to RF, uh, which could be your guitar pickups or something like that too, or ground loop, there may be something Mm -hmm. that you can actually do about that. And true, rather than just write it off as, oh, it's amp noise, you know, or whatever. And in that case, you know, if you're running multiple amps or your pedal board and connected or, you know, several pedals and things like that, you could go through a process of isolating pedals and 
you know, pretty easily just by rerouting patch cords and things until you, you might find the culprit, you know, and be able to quiet your, your rig down. Yeah. You can also use a, uh, you know, a noise gate pedal, um, at the end of your chain. Cause inevitably, you know, especially if you're increasing gain, you're gonna, you're gonna have some, some just general low level noise that it, it may not make it into your track because when you record it, you have the signal to noise ratio of your, say you're playing electric guitar and you're probably going to cut out everything in between. Anyway, you're going to noise gate that down or cut it out in your, in your tracks. Um, yep. so you don't really notice it, <laughs> but it's there. I was going to say, speaking of guitar pedals, uh, one thing that I have found that inevitably, well, maybe not inevitably, but often introduces noise is what they call wall warts which is kind of a, a slang term for ac adapters um, especially for guitar pedals if you have a bunch of ac adapters uh, each one of those can introduce its own level of hum and that's why a lot of guitarists prefer to use nine volt batteries even though at some point they will run down and and change the tone of your of your pedal but a better solution is to run multiple pedals off of a dedicated um, guitar pedal source uh like a one spot or one of those other multi-pedal plugs where you're not introducing multiple wall warts each with their own hum and and build quality that can introduce all kinds of weird hums and static and buzzing and interference with your as long as those power supplies are isolated so where each yes you know because some some of those pedal power supplies share circuitry between each uh, power node that goes out, you know, for different pedals. That's true too. And then you have a result, but if you have isolated power in your pedal power module, then that's really good because then you've got each pedal isolated. It's like being plugged in by itself. Anyway, those are generally much quieter. Yeah. I've always been a fan of the, the trip light. I don't even know if they make them anymore just like that, but they're these, big chunky, um, you know, um, power strips and each, each outlet in the power strip is uh, frequency isolated from each other one so that you don't really have that problem. Now I was at, I was doing a live gig a couple of weeks ago and we were getting a bunch of, uh, noise and this was, this was definitely 60 cycle hum in mm-hmm. our monitors, not in our mains oh. though, but just in the monitors. And we were trying to track this down and, uh, changing Plugs, try to ground lift, didn't work. Um, really? Which, you know, those little two-prong adapters for to th- yeah. two to three-prong adapters. And changed cables all the way back to the board, you know, just went through the whole process. Well, what it ended up being is that on the same circuit, there were there were bar lights. Oh, I was going to say fluorescent lights. Yeah, <laughs> not fluorescents, but the, um, oh. uh, what's it, the neon type of lights. Oh, oh yeah, and yeah. Those are, well, usually those interfere, like, RF interference, but in this case, it was causing ground loop interference with the with the monitors being plugged into the same circuit. And that that's really interesting. I wonder how often that happens in bars. Yeah, probably a lot. But we turn I'm so thinking. we we turned those lights off, and the hum went away. Because <laughs> I mean, neon signs—it's the second you flick them on, they hum. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of part of their thing. So yeah, there's all kinds of things. You know, in my studio, I originally ins- uh, installed all LED lights here mm-hmm. under my misunderstanding that LEDs didn't give off RF interference. 
but I came to find out that they do. Oh, they do? Yeah. See, I didn't know that either. I thought that they didn't. I know that fluorescent lights are notorious yeah. for that. So incandescents are actually the best way to go. <laughs> well, yeah, except that they're, I don't know about where you are, but they're illegal here. You can't buy them and they're not manufactured. So. Oh, really? Yeah, we can only buy um, LED or halogen, and I, I don't like I don't one. like halogen. They're too dang hot. I did all LEDs for the sake of power consumption and thinking that they didn't give off RF, but they do. But it hasn't been a problem because, you know, we could go into, because um, I run all balanced connections throughout my entire signal chain. And uh, what that is, is you've got two wires, and uh, those two wires run down the middle of a third wire, which is wrapped around. And that third wire is a shield, but, and that shield does a really good job of protecting those two inner wires from like RF interference, but that's not actually the magic that that happens. What actually happens is that the, the two wires that are running down the, the middle carry the same signal, like for left and right. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I think they carry the same signal. And then at the very end, let's see, am I getting this right? They, one of them gets reversed and oh. it gets turned 180 degrees polarity. Okay, so it nulls out the signal. And it nulls the signal. And any sound that was introduced wouldn't null, okay? Mm-hmm. And then, so anything that remains is actually then filtered out oh. at the amplifier. Interesting. And so, and then the two nulled signals are then passed through and played. <laughs> so, huh. so they're using phase cancellation in order to detect noise that was introduced during the transmission and then remove the noise and then allow the phase canceled signals to then, it probably must reverse them again after noise is mm. removed and, mm-hmm. and then allows them through. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. But that, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So cool. it's not just the cable; it's actually the way that the signal is passed in the. And uh, I don't remember the name of what that amplifier is called. There's a there's a there's a circuit that goes into a balanced amplifier uh, that handles that phase reversal filtering and then dealing with the the original signals again. But that's how noise right. is removed. So it's, yeah, really neat. Yeah, that's very cool trying to think of all the other stuff related to guitars specifically like needing to you know put shielding inside your uh your, your wiring yeah cavity you know and, i have a hard time with that and a lot of it i think is if you're playing near a computer yeah maybe not necessarily the the computer but the the monitor it's the monitor yeah and uh, which i do and so i i have to like turn my chair a certain direction <laughs> i do the same thing <laughs> I, I, I the guitar will face the wall and I'll face the computer or whatever, yeah. or face partially the other direction. Because, yeah, if you start pointing your, I mean, if you you'd have to have headphones on anyway because your speakers are going to feedback. But, but yeah, there's some there's some uh, there's some some hum, some normally invisible noise coming from your monitor that your guitar your guitar pickups will pick up. Yeah, and, pickups and I don't think up. you have that same problem with active pickups, and I'm not sure why, but. Uh, maybe it's because the active pickups generally have lower windings in the coils. They don't do they? Yeah, because they have their I, own amplifiers. I don't use them, stuff. so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. So my next guitar, yeah. the, the the one build guitar that I haven't started yet. Uh huh. I'm going to do active pickups in that. Cool. And just for the sake of, well, they're actually so that, that there's a lot of really cool stuff 
with the newer active pickups with all kinds of different available tones and being able to 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 kind of tweak the setup, you know, and mm-hmm. end up with a with a a pickup that by itself has three or four different tones, you know, and then combined with another pickup that has three or four different tones, you get so much. <laughs> That's a lot of tones, baby. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, you know, pretty neat what they're what they're doing in today's active pickup technology. I'm not sure, you know, uh like EMGs and mm-hmm. um what's the other big one that um can't think of it right now. But EMG is the first one I usually think yeah. of. Yeah. And they've been around the longest. Actually I got a, a guitar that my it was one of my first guitar actually it was my first guitar that I bought back in like eighty five or eighty six. And it has it still has those EMGs in it from from the mid eighties. Oh wow. Yeah. I did used to have a bass that had active pickups, but I got rid of that. Now my bass has active pickups that were converted to passive. Oh, that's right. You which I didn't that. know you could do that, but I, didn't I found out that either. this particular set of pickups, you're able to do that and they sound good, but I have to rotate myself around my computer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's maybe one of these days. I know that this one also has got foil. It's got the copper foil in the cavities and right. And that's all connected and grounded to each other. And I think that there's a ground wire that goes up to the bridge, you know, right. which that's normal, which yeah. effectively all your strings are then grounded all the way out, you know, up. But I do not have, I think that's got a, uh, a graphite nut. What, and I was reading one of the cool things about zero frets is that it actually grounds all your strings all the way across because it's always in touch in contact with that zero fret. All your strings are. So oh, interesting. when you ground one string on your bridge, it grounds all your strings because they're all in contact. Yeah, I figured that that was why there's the the bridge usually has a, a wire that's a ground wire going back to the to the jack. Yeah. And you'll notice that there's usually a little bit of a hum. And then when you touch the strings, you complete the loop and you become the ground. <laughs> so that's the virtue of a zero fret. I'm still waiting on my bass. My bass should be here, I don't know, tomorrow. Wednesday. Oh, that's right. It's in transit. There's no, for a week, UPS has said, check back tomorrow for a delivery, <laughs> for de- updated delivery information. Well, that just means it's on a truck somewhere. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it. So, yeah, it, uh, I, I watched some videos about your base because I was thinking about oh, yeah, I one too. too. And, you know, for all the comparisons, well, don't buy it like, I get you know, it. this I'll, is a great base for the money. Yep. And it's, it was actually, they, there was one guy, he did like a whole value system. Oh, okay. And he gave everything points. And oh, funny. Uh, and then he had like some calculation that I did that brought <laughs> in the the price and divided yeah. it by his point system. His sum of value <laughs> points. And yeah. the Glary was like one of the highest values uh bass For guitars money. of huh. five or six different bases that he checked you know, against Ibanez wow. and, and against the what's uh, Toman like, Toman makes the uh I can't think of the name of that base, but you know, over in the UK mm-hmm. and they have their own brand, uh, Toman oh, of okay. guitars and stuff, uh, Harley Benton. Oh, okay. And then they also had some other good brand name budget bases. So everything was in the $125 to $225 range. And, and yeah. yeah, that Glary came out as the highest value of all of them. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Cause it was good. It came set up. Okay. 
and just needed a yeah. little bit of tweaking. It played great. The neck felt good. You know, the pickups were fine. It had good tone. You know, he went through all, you know, so really, I think you're going to get a great bass. <laughs> well, now, I mean, now I want it even more. You're going to get a great <laughs> bass one of these days. <laughs> one of these days. No, I'm hoping it, I am hoping it's here tomorrow. And yeah, I'll definitely. You'll uh, see a UPS let, exception let, on let the you know. tomorrow. Yeah. Is lost in the storm that came through. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Sacramento got six inches of rain yesterday. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I was driving in this stuff. It was, it was not, uh, it was not super fun <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. So I'm picturing the UPS truck, like getting washed away. <laughs> super flood. <laughs> my base. Hey, I meant to say, uh, the things that I'm using to isolate my, Rat gear, they're called Humphreys. Oh, for real. H U M F R E E S. And huh. they're inexpensive and they're just little tabs that go over and they've got a part of the plastic insert goes or vinyl insert goes into the screw hole. And so oh, okay. the screw, the screw doesn't and I also use like like plastic washers on my screws, but yeah, the screw say, itself is kind of tight. The unit is sitting on the screw, you know, weight wise. And then the screw is threaded into the rack. Well, these have a little insert that goes in. So the screw actually screws into the insert mm. and is isolated from the rack itself. So it's so there's a market for this product. That means that this is a fairly common problem, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, who'd have thunk it? You know, I. Yeah, it's the first I've heard of it. I mean, I, we, I mean, we, we rack network equipment all, all the time. I'm like, but we don't oh, yeah, have yeah, to yeah. worry about that. Exactly. Yeah, you got interference, you just don't hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But yeah, maybe maybe plastic screws. Yeah. I don't know. Would they be able to hold the weight? I don't know. I wouldn't use them. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't use them either. <laughs> they would get sheared off and your stuff collapses to the ground in a heap. Maybe what's a non-ferrous, you know, what would be a good... Uh, Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Oak. Uh, it wouldn't be brass. Um, Oak pegs. Wouldn't be aluminum or gold. No, definitely not. But uh, yeah, something. It doesn't <laughs> conduct, conduct electricity. Could be maybe ceramic. There you go. Ceramic. Or just ceramic get the $6 Humphreys. You know? Yeah, probably just get the $6 Humphreys. And <laughs> <laughs> reinventing an industry. Yeah, for six yeah. bucks you can, or whatever, seven bucks you can uh, take care of two pieces of hardware in your rack. They come with um, eight little vinyl tabs. And they just kind of pinch around the edges, yeah, and isolate the the unit from the rack, yeah. So for if you, that's cool. Even if you got a ton of stuff, not too expensive to uh, do that little bit to make sure that you don't have ground loop uh, noise introducing right. into your system. So good quality cables, good quality uh, power strips, and if you can get electric or harmonically isolated power strips, even better. Um, avoid your monitor. Yeah. <laughs> avoid bar lights <laughs> and uh make sure you're uh make sure you know where all your plugs are running and that you're using good cords yeah and i mean avoid unbalanced signal cables where right. possible and where right. not possible introduce like a inline type of amplifier that will take an unbalanced signal and make it the shortest cable that you can into like a little line amplifier and that'll boost mm -hmm. it up to like plus four db so that it's at the right level. And then, and these boxes are, you can get these boxes cheap, you know, uh, for just like inline amplifiers. 
uh, that have like RCANs with XLR routes and it, it does a conversion and balances the signal. And then you can run your long lines uh, as balanced that way. That's a smart tip. There you have it. There you have it. <laughs> so go out there and stay balanced. Stay balanced. That's a, that's the tip of the day. <laughs> stay balanced. <laughs> All right, man. Always good talking to you. You too. And uh, I was back on the yeah, shotgun tonight, night. by the way. Yeah, I can tell. Can you? No, I'm can I'm you really to tell? You. <laughs> I can't. I actually cannot tell. <laughs> you sound the same to me. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll see you in post. Uh, whether I can tell or not. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> All righty. All right, man. All right, everybody. Have, Have a, a great week. Thanks for listening. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating.